0: storehouse dallas a little reminder about what we're talking about here as we're discussing the fear of the lord Um, some hear this this phrase of the fear of the lord and they're a little confusion um do I? Does this mean I have to come to God afraid? Does this mean I have to come to God and and, and draw, or, or even just draw away from God because He's so holy and terrifying and full of light, and if I come near Him, He's going to squash me? Um now, now, I mean, in some sense, honestly, I want to say yes a little bit um, because it is God is is Moses was before the Israelites, and they saw the glory of God manifest on the mountain. They saw the lightnings and the thunderings. They're like, ah, you know, like, we don't even want to hear his voice. Moses, you hear his voice. And Moses tells them two things. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of God. He wants to teach you so that you may fear him. Don't be afraid. Fear the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't cower away from his voice. He wants to teach you. He wants to show you. He wants to fellowship with you and relationship with you. But he wants to order your life in a way that you can truly fear, honor, revere him as he is worthy of. So that's just a little bit, and we'll we'll hit more of that as I'm talking. Um, but I want to remind us, too, that the fear of the Lord um, really is just the beginning and the foundation for what the more that God wants to bless us with. The fear of the Lord, it says in Proverbs, is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning of knowledge. Well, God, I want to grow in wisdom. God, I want to know you more. When you hear that word knowledge, think of knowing Jesus intimately. Thinking of knowing the heart of God. Think of being trusted with the plans and the purposes of God in your life. And in and, and Psalms 25, that the secret of the Lord, the intimacy with the Lord, some translations say, are for those who fear him. So the fear of the Lord is that bedrock foundation to grow in wisdom, how we should live our lives in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, and of knowledge, growing in depth of intimacy with God. So it is the beginning of all kinds of blessings. Today, as we talk about divine order that leads to glory, I'm going to be going through a number of scriptural examples because we find a number of instances in the Bible where God is preceding a greater release of his glory with the establishment of his divine order. In other words, before more glory comes, we like more glory, right? We experience the presence of God. God shows up, and we're like not even trying. We're not even looking forward. Oh, God, you're awesome. I've encountered you in worship, or I've encountered you in my life, or you just met me when I was just totally running away from you. And so he meets us there in power and in glory, but then he comes up and he's saying, I want to give you even more. I want to expand the level of intimacy. I want to expand the level of wisdom and knowledge. I want to expand the level of encounter of God that's available to you. But... Order is necessary. Because God wants us to carry his glory, and he wants to take us from glory to glory. Amen? And this pattern in the Bible I describe as this. First, God shows up in power and glory. Sometimes people aren't looking for it. Sometimes they are looking for it, but they definitely don't deserve it. And God, in his mercy and his kindness and his compassion, he shows up in power. Um, Then, number two, he sets some things in order. He's saying, okay, I've showed up in power and glory. I've set you free from bondage and affliction, and and, and I've shown you blessing and increase, but I want to give you more, and in order for you to really steward and carry more, I want to set things in order. So he establishes divine order number two, and the number three: more glory, more release, more power, more blessing. So, God wants to pour out more glory, and when God's people in the Bible, when they submitted to that divine order, they experienced an increase of His glory and His blessings in greater measures. When they hardened their hearts and they disobeyed, as the Israelites did in the wilderness, there was judgment. There was there was missing out even. on on what the glory and the promise that God wanted to give them was. So today, my goal is to lead us through a few Old Testament, a couple of New Testament examples, and then address some things in the church today that I believe God is setting in order to prepare us for the glory He wants to pour out in the near future. Amen? The main point is this. The people of God... Experience the greatest measure of the glory of God, including his blessing, his presence, his transforming power, when we submit to the divine order that God sets in place. May we swiftly obey his instructions and be a people prepared for his coming. So, let's go to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. You can open up there, just kind of scan. I'm going to just really be... Going quickly through a few Old Testament examples, but I'll I'll note the scripture verses um, so that you can look at them later. But Genesis one and two, we see God showing up on the scene. Before anything was created, he speaks forth his word, creation comes into existence, but then you have the Spirit of God, it says in Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, and there is a darkness, there is a formlessness, and there is a void that the Holy Spirit is, is hovering over. There's, In other words, there's chaos, there's disorder. So what do we see? God shows up, number one, power and glory. Number two... He starts setting things in order he hovers over that formless and void he says let there be light light let the seas divide from the land they do it let the heavens above and the heavens below be separated they do it animals trees you name it fill the earth it happens he's setting things in order he's setting life in order and then he creates Humanity. He creates Adam. He forms him from the dust, and so he has. I'm just. I even like to meditate on this and picture this: that God is forming the the body of Adam through the dust, but then he is hovering over his body, and he is as he sets his body in order. Life, spirit of God, and Adam becomes a living soul. So God showed up, he saw the formless and void, he set things in order with creation, and then he released, number three, more glory. He released his own glory into Adam. We can go on to say that he he created a garden for man to fellowship with him. He ordered an atmosphere, an environment of encounter for Adam. But he did not only an external ordering, he did an internal one too. Uh, 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 He set some commandments in place. One, to be exact. (laughs) Every tree you can eat except that guy right there. One thing that God set an order for Adam on how he should conduct his life. To obey that order would result in eternal life and blessing for Adam and Eve. For all of humanity. um, Disobedience. The earth-cursed system came in place. Cursed is the ground because of you. So God, my point is that God wanted a, an environment of encounter, of blessing, of provision, of life for Adam and Eve, but he had an order that he put in place that needed to be obeyed. Moses, the book of Exodus, if you ever read through Exodus 25 just the, and, and throughout Leviticus, and um, 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 you see that God went through extreme levels of detail In this establishment of the tabernacle so what's 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 the pattern here that israelites are in bondage they're crying out for 400 years and then god in response shows up number one here i am i'm going to deliver you with a mighty hand and he takes them out of egypt with power with signs and wonders so so much so such power manifestation happens in that deliverance That as Israel goes through the wilderness to the promised land, nations have heard about this and they start to tremble. These are the ones that came out of Egypt, which God judged with the mighty hand. God released his power over his people. But he also came in and said, I want to give you more glory, but here's some order that needs to be set in place. Okay, So external order, the outside. He built the tabernacle, all of the articles on the inside. I mean, it just goes into incredible detail. And some of us, we read our Old Testament and we're like, what is going on here? Where is Jesus? I'm ready to see someone get healed right now. You know, (laughs) what are all these names? But, but I just, I just want to call and say, let's, oh, Lord, help me see Jesus. Help me see your glory in these details right here. Um, Because what God's doing, he's setting things in the worship center for glory, Uh, um, in order so that he can pour out his glory. So as they obey, as they set these things up, Moses and Aaron, they go into the tent of the meeting and Moses goes in and the glory of God just completely surrounds him. He wanted to give them more glory. And God set in an internal order of a, of the commandments. He's saying, I'm giving you the law. I'm giving you the Ten Commandments. I'm telling you how you're to live in the land of blessing. And if you follow this order, you will experience the blessing. If you don't, you will not. But his desire, God's heart, ah, his heart was not to say, I'm going to give you all these rules and all this order so that you can be religious and ritualistic but not he's saying no I'm setting certain patterns in place for your life and for your worship so that more of me can be experienced that's God's heart is for more we saw the same thing when Solomon built the temple you can read about this in second chronicles chapter one through six God appears number one to Solomon in a dream what do you want ask me for anything Solomon asked for wisdom And then God, and he would already started to do this, but God sets up order for worship in the temple that Solomon builds. And as the people follow this order, Solomon dedicates the temple twice in this passage, twice. We see the glory of God filling the atmosphere to such a degree that the priests cannot minister. And God's saying, "This is what I want it to be like. This is I want this to be a regular experience." And 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 but He's saying, "This is this is the order I'm setting in place." Um, now, God didn't tell them what to do every single minute of their time in that temple and in that sanctuary. He set things in order. But God, as we can see from Second Chronicles, God showed up in power and powered. We're like, "Okay, we're about to go offer those sacrifices," but the presence of the Lord shows up. I can't even move. You know, even just a few moments ago in worship, just kind of that end experience there. You know, a lot of us are used to being in an environment where it's like, okay, you got two, maybe three worship songs, and we are done at this minute, and we are moving on to the next thing. In that minute, we've got it prepared down to the very minute or second of service. And I believe that God even honors that, that he will still move in that. But if we want the fullness of what we're going, of what he wants us to experience, we we have to say okay god here's what i know that you've set what i feel like you've set in order what i know you set in order right now but god i want to be sensitive to the move of your holy spirit and 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 what mary did is she came up because because what happened is some of us are like okay, you know, I'm kind of done, you know, but we're still going. And then some of us were like, oh, please keep going. Like, why can't we just, you know, ditch the sermon, just keep going. Um, and then some of us may be somewhere in between. What Mary did is she brought some wisdom. She brought some order. And she was teaching you, and I really hope you're paying attention. I was paying attention. I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to everything this lady saying right now. Um, because she's she's been in this. She has the experience. How do I navigate when the glory of the Lord shows up, and how can I position myself for as much as he wants to give me? Amen? The prophets in the Old Testament and the judges, you can read about, they came and set the hearts of the people in order. Repent. Turn back to the Lord. Remember my commandments, and I will bless you. And they would confront certain issues that were going on in the hearts of the people that was robbing them, robbing them of what God wanted to pour out. And when they obeyed the voice of the prophets, got in line, more glory and blessing broke out. Let's go to the New Testament. John the Baptist appears on the scene. John the Baptist, was his father was a priest in the temple. They knew something about the order of worship. In fact, Zechariah, as he's going about his normal order of worship, that an angel of the Lord appears, and Zechariah doesn't know how to respond, um, and there's a little consequence. He can't speak for six months or nine months um, until his son is born. So, um, there's a, a, um, the glory of God manifested in the midst of the order. And it was like, okay, what do I do now? I need to stop and listen to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Um, but But John, he comes on the scene and he is boldly declaring things and confronting issues with the people of Israel in that day. And he's saying, guys... These things, they've got to get in order because the Messiah is on the rise. He is about to show up on the scene, and I'm getting you ready for him. Isaiah 40, the prophecy about him, which is repeated in in Mark chapter 1. Prepare the way of the Lord. I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Let every valley be raised up and every mountain be brought low. He's setting things in order so that people can experience the glory of the Lord. The result was for those that received John's message were the ones that experienced and recognized Jesus when he showed up on the scene. The ones that rejected John's message had a lot of trouble with Jesus' message. But those that submitted to the order and, and just some basic things John would give. Is they said, John, what do we do? What does this order look like? He says, well, you know, if you have more than you need, give to somebody that has something in need. Stop lying at work. Things like that. And they're like, oh, yes, okay. You know? He's talking to the people of God. You know, These aren't like people that have never known the Torah or the law of Moses or anything. These are people that were raised on this in their homes. They celebrate these feasts every single year as a reminder of what the Lord has been doing. And they needed another reminder from a prophet named John. So John prepared the way for Jesus. But then Jesus is saying, I am coming to set things in order at a whole new level. Jesus appears on the scene. The Holy Spirit pours out over him, and then he stands in the synagogue, and he's saying, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me to bring good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, liberty to captives and freedom to the oppressed. And he's saying, this is the year of salvation. So Jesus, he comes in, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He goes around, is just healing people left and right, casting demons left and right. And people are like, we have never seen anything like this before. And he starts, he starts coming up in that number one, God shows up. But then he says, I'm going to set some things in order. Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, as we read the end of Matthew chapter 4, before we go into Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 4 says he had been healing all kinds of diseases and casting demons out of people. So power manifestations were occurring. But then he was compelled in Matthew chapter 5 to get up and say, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are the meek for they inherit the earth blessed 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 you want to walk in blessing here's how to here's how to access it and a as a regular daily lifestyle and he started to address certain things about life and morality and conduct and prayer and giving and, and and time with the Lord and obedience all of these things he was starting to set in order but Jesus the ultimate thing he was doing is he was preparing my heart and your heart, for the indwelling Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside forever. When he went to the cross, the atonement that Jesus made, the blood that was spilled, the book of Hebrews, guys, get in this book. Jesus came with a better covenant than Moses did as he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, he came with better promises and he came with a better sacrifice. And the blood of Jesus was better than anything the Israelites could have offered before because it did something internally in the human heart. Ah, guys, (laughs) Hebrews 9 and 10, that he has cleansed our consciences with his blood. That what the blood of bulls and goats did, they did an external washing. They did an external cleansing of the human body and of an earthly temple. But the blood of Jesus, it cleanses the conscience from sin. It removes it from us. It completely deletes it from God's memory. And not only does it cleanse the human heart, the human vessel, it cleansed the heavenly tabernacle that man did not build, but that God built. And the blood of Jesus, he is the forerunner to go into the heavenly place, seated at the right hand of God the Father, and then he is saying, I, I'm going to be seated at God's right hand, and I'm prepared, my people now, by my blood, by my sacrifice, to pour out my spirit, and my glory will live on the inside of them. Oh, guys, this is like, we're a new creation now. The old has passed away, the new has come. That God, He sets things in order in our hearts because He wants that indwelling life of the Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit. Live in the Spirit. He wants us to experience the fullness that's available. He's made a way through the cross. And he's given us instructions. He said, Go therefore, make disciples, train them, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Why? Because I'm God and I need someone to follow me in order to feel better about myself and to feel like I'm in charge? No, but because I want them to experience life and life abundance. So, I've done a very quick overview of the Bible just now. If you want to fill in the details, just go read Genesis through Revelation this week. So, creation, the tabernacle, the temple, the prophets, John the Baptist, Jesus, all of them were preparing the people of God for more glory. And all of them were setting things in order. What is God doing in his church today? How is God visiting his people? What does he want to do and bless them with? And what is the order he is going to bring? A few things that I won't go into detail on, but that we've heard from the prophets for years now, and if you've been coming here, we we talk about it a lot because it excites us, is waves of revival. Um, Signs, wonders, salvations, the presence of God coming in greater and greater measures. A great harvest. Um, Souls coming into the kingdom of God. But not only salvations, in a harvest time the seeds that have been sown are are coming up into maturity and so harvest speaks of god's people coming into maturity unity of the faith and that's why god sets order with apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers so that the people will be equipped for the works of service, to bring us to the unity of faith, to bring us to maturity. So this speaks of souls, but it speaks of of, an, of a harvest in our lives, a blessing in our relationship, a blessing in our finances, a blessing in our in our needs. And so it's 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 healed and restored family units um, that God is doing in this harvest. Transfer of wealth. God is putting the hands uh, the the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the righteous but there's going to need to be some order in place if we're going to be trustworthy. I believe God is taking us to a new level of encountering his presence, of experiencing this ascending, if you will. John and Revelation 4 was taken up in the spirit. and He was shown the throne room of God. He was shown the glory of God. And I believe in these last days that God is going to be taking more of us up to see his glory. Why? Because he wants holy awe on his church. And it will, will need the revelation of Jesus Christ, of the Father on his throne, to anchor us in the storms that are coming on this earth. The ultimate glory that we are going to be experiencing in the future is the return of Jesus to this earth. Now, as we're in worship um, and we're singing, All Hail King Jesus. I mean, I, Jeremy Riddle, I think, I don't know if he just went right up into heaven and heard that song and sang it or if it just came down to him, but every time I hear that song, I'm just like, "This, this is a, This is a song from heaven. And this is a song I think we're going to be singing at the end of the age because in Isaiah chapter 2, it says that Zion, that Jerusalem, will become the chief of all the mountains, that there will be a, a, a lifting up of the natural earthly Jerusalem in the earth, and that Jesus will come and set up his worldwide government from that city and it says in Isaiah 2 that all the nations will stream up to this mountain and they will all receive instruction. They will all be taught by the Lord. They will all see King Jesus and I just see all of the nations, every tribe, every tongue, every language, hailing, bowing before and saying, all hail King Jesus. He's the Lord of heaven. He's the Lord of earth. Guys, this is going global. This is going for eternity. Jesus is coming back and he's setting up a kingdom of righteousness and justice that's going to last forever. he's He's lifting us out of what we see in front of us in the temporal. He's lifting us out of that. And I mean one of the primary motivations for holiness, for walking in love, for walking in truth in the New Testament. The writers are saying, we want you, we want to pray for you and bless you so that you would be presented holy and blameless at his coming. And he is able to do this. So, what are some things God is setting in order? Four main things. We could have a long list. I'm just going to highlight four. And really, you've probably heard these before. But the job of a prophet is to say, remember what the Lord has said. So, first thing, first commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is taking first place again. Returning to our first love. Loving Jesus, beholding Jesus, time with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus, getting to know Jesus, opening up this word, a love for God's word. We want to know what God has spoken. We want to meditate on it day and night. We want to say, God, give me a revelation. Show me your glory through your written word. Show me your glory through manifestations of your spirit and of your power. We want that. But love includes obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We must love Jesus on his terms. This was such a serious issue to the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is praising the church for everything they've done right. Good doctrine. You've kept uh, um, um, bad teaching that leads people to immorality out of your church. But you've abandoned your first love. Come back. Come back. Remember what you did at first. Remember when you first encountered me and how you just said, Jesus, I give it all. And you meant it. And you followed through with it. And just a side note, if we think that loving Jesus is something we go do in a corner <laughs> and cry and read our Bible, and that's all we do to love Jesus, no, it's not. Jesus says, this is my commandment, love each other. That loving one another, that if if you say you love God but hate your own brother in the Lord, you're a liar, 1 John says. Let's get some things in order. Let's learn to love. Let's be patient with each other. Let's forgive quickly. Let's show mercy. And I mean, I tell you, I am the first one to say, God, help me. <laughs> help me with this. Help me with this person. Help me with that. Help me with this situation. Um, first love, though. We want to make it a priority. Second, a true grace message. A grace that empowers righteousness, not excuses sin. Okay? The grace of God is really good because it's unmerited. It's undeserved. So it's grace is saying... God saying, you can run to me with confidence because the blood of Jesus cleanses you of all sin and you can come before my throne boldly. You can come to the throne of grace and say, God, help, 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 and I won't shun you away. I'll actually help you. That's good news. But 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 his help is empowering the righteousness. Romans 5.17, that through one man's sin, through Adam's sin, death spread to all men. But through the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, the grace of God abounds and we will reign in life through this grace and through the free gift of righteousness. Guys, God's called us to rule and reign, to walk out life, abundance, righteousness, overcoming sin, addiction, guilt, fear, condemnation, and walking in confidence before God and before men. This is grace. Don't let people that come in and turn the grace of God as an excuse to continue in immorality and sin. Don't be entangled in that. Don't listen to those that deny the lordship of Jesus Christ who say that loving him doesn't require obedience. It is false. It is false, and Jesus hates this teaching. But he loves to empower his people. Third, a culture of honor and humility. Serving other parts of the body. Serving one another within your own body. Coming with this attitude of, God, how can I serve you and your people? How can I lift up and promote my brothers? We've got to throw off this self-seeking, insecure self-promotion that's saying, I come to church in order to for them to fulfill my destiny and for them to serve my needs. Guys, get an order here. We're a family, and family is there to love and serve each other, and I mean, the New Testament hits hard on this. Jesus, who was God, who was God, God, became a slave. And God exalted him. So I want to tell you as you say, God. I'm coming to serve. I'm coming to lift others up. If someone else gets a position that I wanted, I'm going to just, I might struggle in my heart. Oh, God, that really hurt. But God, I honor them. I bless them. I'm not going to manipulate. I'm not going to talk behind their back. I'm not going to slander. I'm not going to pout and leave and go to a different church. Golly, I think this one's a really big deal here. I mean, seriously, whining did not go well for the Israelites. And I, I understand we get hurt. We get, I mean, there are things where I'm like, oh, Lord, I really wanted that person to like me more when I did this or that. Or I, I said this and they did this and it, it hurt me. And God, I just, oh, they don't recognize me. They don't see me. Da, 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 da. I mean, this is just everywhere, every day, everywhere I've ever been. Okay? But I don't use that as... And lace it with spiritual language and say that God's released me to go somewhere else when I haven't really dealt with this issue. I am just coming at this hard right now. This whole mentality, God has released me away from a community. I mean, do you know what that sounds like? It sounds like you've been in bondage by being in the community that you've been in. And God moves, God transitions us, guys. He does. I mean, I've transitioned out of other churches, and I've transitioned um, because God was moving something, but there were things in my heart I had, did have to deal with. I understand that. I want to speak with compassion about that. And if, if there is something, if you're in an unhealthy church environment, I mean, you want, to, you want to really get before the Lord and say, God, what is this? How do I deal with this going on in my own heart? And do I need to continue to relate here? I think that's an honest question. You can have before the Lord, but you want to transition into the next place according to God's order. And you want to have a relationship and in, 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 in exit in a way that is not going to cause you to walk into the next place with bitterness and envy and strife. Because you will carry that into the next place. Again, he transitions us, he moves us. And things get hard, and we get mistreated, and that's and it, it breaks my heart when I hear how people have been hurt by pastors and leaders, because um, I, I am a pastor, and I I don't I don't want us to do that. I don't want to do that, um, but I also don't want those that have been hurt to stay in that hurt. Okay, last thing. God is rebuilding the house of prayer. He is establishing his identity of the church as a house of prayer. Haggai 2.12, he said, Do not say that now is not the time to build the house of the Lord. Build it. People, get around it. And they heard the word of the Lord, and they obeyed it, and fear came on the people. Haggai 2.12 honor, respect for the word of God. Um, just practically, God is really putting a greater energy on us, on this prayer room. And I mean, this is happening all over the world, you know, and I just, my, my plea with you in this is saying, God, show me more about what you're doing here with just this, this prayer thing, you know, <laughs> coming to church is awesome, but golly, like, Prayer to, like how does that? I mean, and in, and in, in we all we have jobs, we have things that we're doing, but but I want us to get in line with Holy Spirit and say, okay, God, if this is where you're taking us, what is my part? What is my role? Because God assigns things, and God and God puts people in certain places, and some of you may be able to be more present in that than others, and that's totally okay. Um, but it, we we want to get in order with God, say, God, this is what you're doing. And if this is where I'm called to be, if storehouse or, or is, is, is where I'm called to be, Lord, this is a big deal. How do I get in line with this? Amen? Okay. Let's stand. So, God has demonstrated his power, his glory numerous times. He shows up. We love it. Um, but he wants to pour out more and in order for us to experience the fullness of what he wants to give us we've got to we've got to follow the order that he's that he's setting for our lives and for our community and i just want to say guys i've been i've i've hit some things kind of hard today and i just want to say the lord he just he so wants the fullness for you and i as 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 a pastor i want that for you um, i don't want to condemn anyone here I want to say there's more. And I want, guys, we're crossing over. And I want as many of you with us that are called to be here. I want all that are called to be here to go with us. But I want all for all God's people, even if you're called somewhere else, to cross over into what God is doing in the church today. And and I gave some very broad things that are going to help you wherever you're called. Okay? So. We're gonna pray, and I want—I'm gonna pray over us for God to just come in and say and and invite Him to set some order in our hearts, in our lives. Um, now, this will only really work if you do it too, um, because <laughs> um, um, God will honor my prayer, but He's gonna come up to you and say, "Luke's got to listen." So let's pray. Lord, I thank you. That you are a good God and that you have life abundant prepared for us. That Lord, you have more for us. And that, Lord, you you want the prosperity, the well-being of your people. We just declare you're a good God. And that you reward those who diligently seek you. That you reward those, that God, you don't just set rules in place and say, well, you better follow these, or I'm gonna, your art, it's over. You say, I'm setting these things in because I want life for you. And I want fellowship with you. So Lord, right now, we invite you to come by your spirit and bring order. Bring order to our hearts. Bring order to our families. Bring order to our involvement in the church that you've called us to. I'm just going to let you be ministered to by the Lord for a few moments. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.